0: start noticing that something's off. There was a, a feeling of like, just pick up his cell phone. And so I did. And then I see this message from this girl. And it was like, oh, I had an amazing time with you the other day, something along those lines. And I was like, what? So like my, like my everything just like shattered. My everything just like crumbled. And I remember being told like, if you don't cook, if you don't clean, if you don't look good, your man will leave you. That was told to me on my wedding day by a family member. I cooked, I cleaned, I didn't gain weight. You know, I tried to be presentable all the time. I was so fixated with having everything be perfect that I didn't realize that there were some things that were missing. I started going to church when I was five years old and in our home essentially, there was a lot of like alcoholism There's a lot of verbal, physical abuse. Growing up, I was just like in that. And as a kid, I can remember sitting here and feeling just scared and just something was off, especially because my older brother, he was very sick. So my parents would spend a lot of time working and taking care of him in the hospital, and I would just be. So you have alcoholism, parents are gone, stress, cause my mom was relatively young when she had us. And so there was like a lot of yelling. And then there's me, who's just there. And I remember I had a conversation with my mom and she was telling me how, because of my brother's health issues, her age and my dad's alcoholism and stuff, that when she found out she was pregnant with me, she was actually told not to have me. You know, my theos were telling her to like, you know, have an abortion and this and that. And my mom said, no. That's the first time where her and I were able to talk and I can remember being like, okay, God had something planned for me. It was just a very difficult upbringing because when you're going around from home to home, you really don't feel like you have a stable place. You don't feel safe. And that was kind of like my cycle throughout my entire life. And I remember there would be a couple times where we would sleep in um, Dunkin' Donuts on 355. It's much smaller now, but it used to be really big. (laughs) We would sleep there sometimes because my dad would get wasted and he would lock us out unintentionally. So that feeling of just never being in a solid place has stuck with me. And I remember being picked on a lot when I was in middle school and still not feeling like I belonged or like there was a place or anything like that because my parents, you know, Latinos. Dad's working in like a service industry. My mom's a housekeeper. And there is a couple times where like the kids at school because it was a predominantly white school, they would call me uh, a maid's daughter. And I got into a couple of fights because of it because that's not what I was going to identify with. But I was also very confused because I didn't know anything. I was like, here are these people putting this label on me. And I didn't fit in with them because they saw me as a maid's daughter. I also didn't fit in with the Go Hard Brown crowd, the Latinos, because I wasn't born in a motherland. So once again, I'm having this thing of like, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? I was going to church, but I really was just going to go. I really didn't know what that that meant and what that really like looked like. So, you know, here we are going through all this stuff and life is still happening. Life is still going on. I'm a little bit older now and I'm realizing, okay, guys are starting to to notice me. They're starting to like pay attention to me. And I knew biblically sleeping around was bad. You know, I knew that like having sex before marriage was bad, but I didn't know that if I bared my, my feelings, my emotions to you, that that was just as bad. Mm-hmm. So any guy that would listen to me, I would like latch on and I'd be like telling them like my story and, and this and that. And then there would be a moment of like feeling protected. There'd be a moment of feeling like this, um, acceptance of feeling love, but it came with something. It came with the expectation that I was going to sleep with them. And since I didn't, I was rejected, I was tossed aside. And so those feelings like kind of like would come back again. And I did that a lot throughout my like middle school and like high school time that in high school, I finally, I think it was probably my sophomore year, I met my high school sweetheart. I was sharing with him like, you know, my life and stuff and he was there and he was consistent. And and, and he was protecting me, you know, from other people that were like picking on me because I got picked on a lot. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this guy is like legit, like he's real, then we started dating. I remember a year into dating, I was like, okay, he's not going anywhere. So this is great. And I slept with him. Contrary to what I grew up knowing, knowing what the Bible said but not necessarily like feeling it. And he still stuck around. So I was like, "Oh, this is like real cool. Like this is like legit. Like this is a class act kind of guy." So class act that during my senior year, came homeless and I started living in my car for a bit and um How
1: did how did that happen?
0: At the time, we were living, my mother and I were living in someone's apartment, and the lease was under that person's um, ex-spouse's name, and when they found out that we were living there, they had the locks and everything removed, and literally in one day, we had to throw everything in trash bags, and we had to get out. My brother went to his friend's house. I think my mom went to her friend's house, and when it came to me, they were like, do you have a place to go? And I said yes, because... There was no place. There was no space where they were going. And that night I called my uh, high school sweetheart and I was like, yo, I was like, this is what just happened. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know where I'm gonna go. And so he was like, okay, let's let's see what we're gonna figure out. I never found a place to stay. So what I did was I parked my car in his neighborhood and I had a Honda Civic CRX. It's this little car, two seater, hatchback, didn't have a backseat. This guy's like 6'2", like football player. He slept in the passenger seat while I slept in the driver's seat to make sure that I was okay, because I wouldn't go in his house, even though I had already slept with him. There was something I was like, I just, I just can't like, and I couldn't set foot inside of his house. Some of his guy friends from the football team were like, "Gee, we got you, you know, come stay," and I was like, "I can't." Like, I wanted to stay with a girl. I wanted, I don't know why, but I couldn't. So that's basically how like I became homeless, and it was like that up until my freshman year of college. And that was really hard because you're talking about somebody who's like taking a shower at Montgomery College. And as that's like happening, like my now like knight in shining armor ends up cheating on me. So I was like, great. You're like you, you've you been so legit. You've been like there, you've been protecting, you've been like emotionally involved in all of these things. And you know, you stepped out, you did you. So once again, all that like feelings of rejection, worthlessness, whatever, start piling on and okay, let me let me see what this God thinks about. So I pray a little bit, whatever. And I'm kind of like on that track. Then I'm in class and I meet this guy. And once again, six-two white guy comes in and I'm like, okay, he looks good. We sit down, we have an assignment we have to do together. We exchange numbers. And our first conversation was three hours long about God. It was supposed to be homework, but we're talking about God. So I find out he's a Christian and everything. I'm like, all right, legit, bet. So I was so excited. Okay, God, like, do you like want me to date this guy or what? And I was like, nah, let's just be friends. Time's going by and he's like pursuing me, but I'm like, no, we're just friends. We're just friends. He takes me to his church and everything. So then we start dating. And his family was so embracing and so accepting and so loving. Because mind you, at this time, I'm still homeless, but they don't know. I think at this point, I had gone from a friend's house to like a room in a basement. And then I ended up with my mom and I was so embarrassed so embarrassed. I was like, I'm not going to let anybody know. And the subject came up when he's like, why don't we ever hang out at your place? Like, why are we always at my house? And I was like, oh, you know, and I, I played it off. And then one time he's like, you know, I'd like to go to your house, talk to your mom, whatever. And I was like, crap. I was like, okay, well, let me just explain to you my situation. And so I explained how I was living in a room in a basement apartment. Now I just had like a bed and a desk. And my mom was on the other side. Like, it was really, really small, and I'm like, all right, this is it. This guy's going to be like, whatever. I'm not getting involved. I'm not messing with this. Because when I first went to his house, like, I pulled up, and his house was big. Like, it's what you see in, like, the movies. And when I pulled up, what it reminded me of was the house in Home Alone, like, the really big, fancy kind of house, and I'm like, what am I doing? And I was so embarrassed, especially when he went back and he told his parents. And I was like, "There's no, they're not going to want their son to date, like, this chick who, like, (laughs) has a room, a hole in the wall kind of thing. Um, But I was wrong. I didn't have sheets and, like, a comforter. And so they went out and they bought me, like, this beautiful set. And I was like, wow. They started becoming like my family, you know, because there was so much instability my entire life. And there was so much stuff. And here this, these people are that like are accepting me, loving on me, and like providing for me in a way that honestly, unfortunately, my parents couldn't. So that, like I started to feel good. I started to feel worthy. I started to feel like accepted and loved. And next thing you know, five years later, we're still dating and I'm like the daughter that this family never had. Like they were so gracious with me. And I graduate college i think it was a couple months after i graduated like he ended up proposing so I was like, whoa okay like this is like really happening you know and we got married three months after he proposed to me because we had been dating for so long and pretty much like his parents my parents everybody was on board like they were okay with it and i was like all right cool got married and everything seems cool everything seems fine until i start noticing that something's off and essentially there was a, a feeling of like, just pick up his cell phone. And so I did. And then I see this message from this girl. And it was like, oh, I had an amazing time with you the other day. Something along those lines. And I was like, what? So like my, like my everything just like shattered. My everything just like crumbled. And I remember being told like, if you don't cook, if you don't clean, if you don't look good, your man will leave you. That was told to me on my wedding day by a family member. I cooked, I cleaned, I didn't gain weight. You know, I tried to be presentable all the time. I was so fixated with having everything be perfect that I didn't realize that there were some things that were missing in in, in making a home because all that just doesn't really matter. You know, it's important, but it's not key. So we started having some discussions and things being said. And I didn't realize that my trauma of growing up in alcoholic, verbally abusive, and physically abusive home, I didn't realize how it came into my marriage because when we would have discussions, the way I would say and approach things was not in a positive way. I am sad to to admit that um, I was verbally abusive um, and that's how it kind of handled discussions. And I didn't realize how I stripped him of being a man and of his pride. Now, does that excuse what he did? No, because he continued to do it. He wouldn't talk to me anymore. He wouldn't, like, be affectionate. Like, all the things that I, like, literally fell in love with, like, just stopped. And he told me, if I would have met her first, I never would have married you. That was like, how do you come back from that, you know? Like, I remember my response because there's a lot of cursing involved, (laughs) And I I literally just was like, I can't believe you. And I just like stepped up to him and, you know, he's 6'4 and I'm not 6'4. And I got in his face and it was just like venom. Like I'm just spitting out venom because you had just said one of the worst things that you could say to me. And in that moment, I don't know exactly what happened, but I remember being down and I remember him being like on me and it was hard to breathe just because of the weight of his body weight. He wasn't doing anything. It was just like his body weight was on I me. Mean, I remember it was hard to breathe and I remember saying I couldn't breathe. And then that's when he's like, die, beep, 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 you know, die. And I was like, okay, like something's gotta change. So at that point, like I didn't tell my family what was going on, they didn't know all of this. Cause I was gonna keep it under wraps the best that I could. They knew about the cheating, but the fact that it had gotten now physical They didn't have an idea. So I remember speaking to at that point, I was going to a church, I was going to his church and I spoke to like the elders and they were like, it's, it's time. It's like Mm -hmm. in your face. It's blatant. It's now getting physical. Like it's time to go. Cause after that six months when he first cheated, I I stayed for a year trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and I packed my stuff. I called my in-laws and I don't know why I called them first. And I was like, Hey, I gotta go this is what just happened. And then I go, you're okay. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. And I said, if you don't come now, something really bad's going to happen. So they hurried up, they came, they got me and they took me to my parents' house. And my parents are just in shock. And it was just this weird, weird exchange. And here I am going back and being like, whoa, (laughs) I had just said not that long ago that like, I wasn't going to have to move. I wasn't anything. It All the things that we had gotten together from our wedding, I left it, I left everything, except for two suitcases, so I'm starting over again. It sucked. My saving grace was just realizing that at least my parents, they could take me in at this point, so I was with my parents, and it took a long time to feel good. As I'm like in the thick of it and like, back at home with my parents, and it still wasn't a completely stable environment. At 26, Mm. there were some stuff and some issues that were still happening from when I was a kid. Like the verbal abuse was still there between my folks. And it was just like, now I'm an adult and I'm in it. And I'm now having to play referee. Like I'm trying to heal from one of the most devastating things that happened to me. I'm playing referee, so I left. I found a basement apartment and started talking to my ex-husband. And we essentially start dating. We had had a come to Jesus moment where we were able to apologize and forgive one another. And I asked forgiveness. And I said, it was just, it's still very hard to say. Like I was verbally abusive and I had the opportunity to apologize. And when I was forgiven for that, that was a huge release for me. And I realized the power that words hold. And it's funny because people that know me now, they would not know that part about me. Mm. They would be like, but you love so well, like you encourage and and you always have something like nice to say or like, you know, it's just so positive. And I'm like, that's because I had to really work on that and make an effort and know that what I speak is like life and death, you know? And I hurt somebody that I really cared about. So having him forgive me was on that part was like really good. And I I was able to forgive him for what had happened. And we're like, okay, we're going to tell our families that we're dating. I was a little skeptical because I was really nervous. And then all of a sudden, he disappears.
1: Hmm.
0: I get ghosted. Um, He ends up getting somebody pregnant as we were trying to reconcile. So yet again, here we go through the spiral again. And now I'm like, man.
1: And now, Giselle, are you hearing from God in this time?
0: I wasn't. Not at this point. Not about the relationship, whether or not to reconcile. Because I didn't even handle that in the way that God would have wanted me to. And I I didn't pray about it. I was still in the mindset of, like, if I could restore my marriage, if, like, it could be restored, it'd be great. But I was still trying to do it on my own. Right. So when he got this woman pregnant, I was like, all right, like, I I can't, I have nothing else. And I really started seeking God and being like, okay, (laughs) I'm like a rock bottom. Like I can't go anywhere else, you know? (laughs) And that's when I actually really started to like pray and like really started uh, reading my Bible and like going to church and journaling, like journaling, like all the time, like everything I was feeling, everything that was on my mind, the ways that we would like communicate with one another. God and I would just be through like worship. Like I could be going through something and I'd put like a worship song on and it would be the exact words that like I needed to hear. And during that time, it was a lot of you're loved, you're worthy, like you're accepted, you're valued. I don't know exactly when it was, but I had a moment where I asked for forgiveness and I was like, God, I'm sorry that I made my ex and his family, the number one in my life.
1: Mm.
0: Because I literally like going from not having anything to having people that are feeding you anything that you like, they will give you. Just because you said you liked it. Yeah. It's like here you go. And you've never had that before. I don't even know how to describe it. Like the the, the way that they loved and provided became such a thing for me that I, I I made it my all and I know now, of course I didn't know then, but I know now that like I put an unrealistic expectation on my ex too of having to provide and to care and to like deal with all the trauma that I didn't know was really trauma because nobody taught me. I didn't know about that then, you know, it's not something that like I talked about in church or hadn't gone to counseling or anything. Counseling came afterwards. It came after like the separation. You know, talking about trauma is something I think that's now talked about more. So I talked about it in counseling. I talk about it with my people at church, my my community. But I didn't know about that stuff then. It's nice to know this now. I wish I would have known it then. But I know that in all of that, like God has something. And there's been things that have been spoken into my life about the things that I've gone through. And how that's gonna like shed light for other people or help other people, and I'm like, okay, only if it's of God do I want it. If it's not, because I've done so much on my own <laughs> and it didn't result the way I wanted it to, that I don't, I don't want to keep going down that road. You know.
1: Yeah. What What is the Lord really teaching you today? And and what can we say? Or what can you say that He has taught you? Looking back at that relationship, what is, what is He teaching you?
0: What he's taught me is without him being in the middle of it and being my number one, it's not gonna work. I can't put my trust in man. I've got to put it in him. That's that's the main thing that I've learned, and that the lies from before have been quieted, and they've been replaced with the truths now. You know about how he feels about me, how he's there for me and consistent. And now l- looking back, because it's hard to to like see things when you're like in it. Yeah. But looking back, even though those were like some really trying times, I've had visions of him keeping me protected. Um, I can see where his hand was in my life, that now this journey of healing, probably like real, real solid healing started maybe eight months ago, six, eight months ago. Whenever we were allowed to come back from the pandemic, I'm actually dealing with those past traumas and dealing with those past things where I'm in a place where I feel lighter I feel I don't know how to completely explain how I feel other than apparently my countenance has changed to my family and my friends and they're seeing what God is doing. And I don't have that like hopelessness and that that stuff from before. It's I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like a completely different feeling, you know? He's brought me a long way and I'm 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 happy about it. And I'm happy that I actually like myself. I hated myself for a long time.
1: Yeah. How how was that process? And and what did he have to show you in order to remove that, that how you used to see yourself?
0: I don't, I don't know exactly if what I'm going to say makes sense or not, but he's just shown me by actually placing me in an environment where I'm seen for me. And I'm I'm actually seen, I'm seen for me. I'm not seen for anything that I'm bringing to the table Mm -hmm. or what I'm doing for somebody, you know, it's like, I'm actually accepted just the way I am walking in the door. Wow. And I have a community now of people who are rallying behind me, just me, mm. and are pouring in love into me without any expectation. There's no gifts. There's no nothing being exchanged except for like prayer or something or like a genuine friendship and relationship. It's something that I, I've needed. And he's telling me like, you don't need to perform. You don't need to Look this way. You don't need mm-hmm. to do that because I love you and I am still providing for you. These past couple of months, what he's done in my church life, in my work life, in my finances, it's like, I'm here. I'm consistent. I'm mm-hmm. steady. You're not alone. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually believing that. I like looking at myself in the mirror now and not being like, you suck. You're terrible. You know, it's like, no. I'm happy to be alive today, I'm happy to smile, I'm happy to sit here and make someone else smile. A lot of times I'll walk around with a big goofy smile on my face, in the past, it was hiding a lot of pain and a lot of stuff, but now it's genuine, like, me del corazón, like it just comes naturally, like it's just there, to the point I almost got kicked out the other night for laughing so loud and being so happy at a restaurant, you know, like, I'll take that, you know, sorry, not sorry,
1: yeah. <laughs> but I'll take that. Giselle, if if we could put it in a nutshell, what, what can you say the Lord has done? What can you say Jesus has done in your life? Looking back at all of these, uh, these years.
0: He's done a lot, but he's kept me safe. And he took me from, <laughs> from rags to riches, essentially, you know, from not having to having, because I do feel blessed. I do feel rich right now. And it's, not with like goods or anything like that, but like I feel rich and I can actually see my blessings and be extremely thankful for them.
1: What is your relation, uh, your relationship with your parents?
0: It's a good relationship. However, God's been telling me that uh, they're not my responsibility because I take care of them. I don't know if I want to say like above and beyond, if that's the right way to say it, but like too much. I, I need to like pull back. And actually it was a couple months ago. He was just like, hey, I got them. Just like I got you, I got them. You need to release them. I think it's almost like a codependency kind of thing.
1: For for anybody, Giselle, who who has gone through a divorce that may be watching or maybe is going through a divorce right now, um, and maybe feels that hopelessness. What what can you say to to women right now who are, are watching your testimony?
0: I understand it's one of the hardest things, but God is right there. You may not see him, you may not feel him, you may not hear him, but trust me, he is there. He is guiding every single step. He is with you. He sees the tears, he feels the tears, he's catching the tears, and you are not alone. And if it's just, God, help me today, God, I can't, he honors that. Yeah. Because if that's all that you can say, and you're still taking it to him in full surrender, he'll meet you where you're at.
1: Mm. Any last words, Giselle, that you want to offer to, to people watching your testimony?
0: Just stay encouraged. As hard as it is, stay encouraged. The best way that you can. Seek seek the father out. Because mm. that is going to be your only way that you will get through all of these things, all of the feelings, all of the pain, everything that comes along, unfortunately, with sitting here getting a divorce. I didn't have children, but having children is even harder. Yeah. You know? Um so yeah just just
1: surrender whatever you can bring it to his feet